you're probably the one cartoonist that I can really point to who like became good at it really just through sheer sheer willpower. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you'll yeah, probably fess up. Yeah, it is kind up. of like that. Like I just kind of like forced myself yeah. to get better at it. Like I never went to. Then that's like how I had to. I had to like learn anything I ever wanted to pursue. Like I had to do it the absolute yeah. <laughs> hardest possible way. Uh, like I just was adverse to uh, training or like t- learning in a, in a formal sense because I was just like too. I mean, I don't know. Like I went to school and stuff, and I really liked school and I liked learning in that in a classroom sense. But anytime I took, I took guitar lessons on like a one on one, trying to like I always had this creative side that I wanted to you know express but i was just like no ah, i have to do it myself like i would never yeah i took guitar lessons i just like quit and then i got drums and like i i was like i'm not taking any lessons and i just wanted to like force myself to to learn it just by imitating i guess you know uh but i ended up quitting playing the drums eventually that was really fun a fun year though playing the drums it should probably be super fun for your family too <laughs> yeah. right everybody, right everybody around um looking back on that stuff even like even as compared to uh a lot of other early early cartoonists work i mean i think you'll probably admit that that stuff was really really rough oh sure oh it's completely crude i can't even believe uh like i would just you know like the first comic i ever drew i, I mean i would I, I would draw drew a lot when i was a kid and then i took like a i stopped drawing until i was like 23 or something or 24 like one of the first comics i ever did after that after 12 years of not drawing and, and not even drawing in any kind of real way just as like a kid you know I just post posting them right on the internet I yeah. was just like I don't care this is like why, I, why 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 just drop yourself right into that I don't know there was something about when I realized people were doing that I wasn't on like live journal or yeah. whatever it, something about that process of put, just putting stuff out there and, and it was it was and a, you know I was expressing myself in a certain way and getting feedback, even though it was very crude. Uh, something about that learning process, or whatever it was, that appealed to me in a way that would—it was enough carrot and the and the stick stuff going on that it just—I I, was—it was enough for me to you know really practice in art form in a serious way that which I hadn't really done mm-hmm. before that. So, so you needed that immediate feedback then? Yeah, I think that was that was appealing to me, especially at the time. I mean, yeah. You know, and it was a hobby that I was doing. You know, I had already finished college and stuff. Like, I couldn't really. I mean, I guess like thinking back on it now, I could have just quit my job and got went back to school, and like yeah. it wouldn't have been a big deal. But you know, in my head, I would, that was not possible. How long? Of, how long of a period are we are we talking? I mean, that gets it doesn't seem like that long ago, but I guess it's a while ago now. Yeah, it seemed like I think back on it. Probably started drawing and posting stuff online in two thousand five. Okay. So it's nine years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, did did you? I mean, it sounds like it was just a, a, th- a fun thing to do. And oh, sure. I mean, yeah. like the first, I wouldn't say any of the work. You know, I did for the first. I don't know. Probably a few years. I wouldn't consider it professional work in any way. Or no, but like, how how quickly did you get into like doing it all the fucking time? Though, I mean, it seems it, that seemed oh, to be pretty pretty fast. fast. Yeah. Like, I kind of uh, in two thousand eight, I kind of quit my job, and I was just like, I don't give a shit, or what, I don't care. <laughs> I uh, I saved saved up some so money. Three years, basically. You had uh, just yeah yeah just started drawing. Yeah, it was three really years fast. Early. I mean, it was not kind of any kind of like smart. Um, no. You know, financial move in any no. kind of way, you know, and uh, 
and, and you know there was periods of times after that where I worked other jobs like just you know I was I was just not on any kind of professional trajectory anymore like I had been working at like a uh, health insurance place you know it's really like that was my path in life to just work at this health insurance place and I don't know make more money every year and it was just. You know that's great for a lot of people. I was sure, set up. I mean, it's people, hard yeah. to turn that down. Like, there's all of my friends. You know, a lot of my friends I went to college with and whatever. Like, that's their, that's what they're doing, and they're all doing really well now. Not you all gotta have them, people but. telling that you're you're crazy, especially again, especially not not only because I mean, it's one thing like you know quitting your job to 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 make art. That's a pretty pretty common story, but to quit your job to make art that you've been doing for three years is, yeah. again yeah, yeah. it's insane it's just like me being like I don't care well you know there's other stuff going on too like I moved I moved for you know so I had to, I moved to Philadelphia from Jersey City because I met my my now wife and we wanted to move in together so when I first moved my plan was like alright you know I'll save up enough money so I can like draw comics for like a month yeah. you know and then I'll get a job and then uh you know, the financial crisis hit in uh, September or something, like right after, like a month after I moved. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like really hard to get a job. And, uh, you know, I, I, I forget, it's kind of foggy. I mean, I just started making comics. I made it at kind of like my full-time job because I, I couldn't get a job. Yeah. And then I got a, uh, my, the Zurich grant like right around that time too. So that was kind of like, that was kind of like me being like, all right, the universe just wants me to just do this. Sure. Like, I don't care sure. now. So I did work on that, and then I was doing a webcomic that was kind of, like, somewhat gaining in popularity, and I was seeing, like, my friends that were doing these webcomics, uh, just like, all right, you know, all of a sudden they're making their full living off this popular webcomic. I'm like, that could happen at any moment, yeah. you know what I mean? I just get, whatever the BuzzFeed was at the time, I was like, oh, whatever, I get a comic on BuzzFeed, and then, boom, whatever off the to the BuzzFeed races. was at the time. <laughs> you, you, um... You were doing like more or less autobiographical stuff. Yeah, it's like it's kind of weird. I was looking about it the other day how yeah. it was like, but it was like a autobio comic under an extremely thin veil <laughs> with name. Yeah, slightly but like slight, alliterative, but slightly changed yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was really weird uh, thinking back on it now. But whatever it took to get me to to make whatever. It's just it's you know it seems like especially at that time. I, I'm guessing it's still the case now, but especially then, like that was. Just, that was the thing to do. Oh, right? sure. To I mean, I was very influenced by, like, Jeffrey Brown, even though yeah. that was totally auto-bio. And, but James Kachelka also do, used to do these comics that he called, like, Magical Realism, yeah. where it was kind of like him, but then Pixie, other Pixies stuff and, would happen. Yeah. yeah. And then you think about somebody like um, Gabrielle Bell's comics kind of have this, like, it's her, but then it's, like, totally this... It just takes a left turn at at some point down the road, yeah. So I think, you know, I'd like to say that those were my influences at the time. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it was just old work. It's in my closet now and stuff, but it was just what I needed. It was like my, think of that as kind of like my education in comics and and dealing with, you know, I had, I was really lucky that I had any readers paying, you know, I had people paying attention that would, I'd get feedback from stuff. And so I think that was a really, you know, my education in comics. It's so weird, though. I mean, it, like, I, I wonder if this still happens, but it, it seems like it was something that started in a message board. Uh, me, I mean, definitely, Live Journal was like yeah. was like massively influential on my early comics career. I mean, that was where I found that you could just like there was already a community of amateur cartoonists like just posting stuff yeah. and getting feedback and stuff. So, you know, it was kind of like I mean, it's Live Journal, but it's essentially a message yeah. board. 
what grew that, out of that's Mexico a cra- that's a, the fun thing about comics though is that you do you 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 find people online and then you realize that like there are literally people right around oh, sure you, like in actual real life yeah like they're just like me like yeah. they're, they're in Australia doing the same thing. yeah but but then but then you know you find other people in Jersey City you find sure. other people in yeah. Philadelphia yeah yeah then it opens up much more to you how, how how quickly did you actually ingratiate yourself into the actual community in Philly? Um, in comics, in comics, a um, little bit later. I mean, I think I attended my first like the. F- I mean, I had gone to I went to Mocha because I was I was living in Jersey City, yeah. so like I so probably went to Mocha. Forty minute train ride. Or, yeah, yeah. I probably went to Mocha in like two thousand six, two thousand seven, and then I probably had a table at it in two thousand eight. So I was like, t- you know, a few years, and then. Even then, before that, you know, it's like you're doing all this stuff online. Like, I was drawing comics every day. Like, I would draw strips every day and, you know, more than one page a day. But I still didn't really feel like part of the being part of the community because (laughs) I don't know. It's weird. Like, I'd go go to these shows and then I'd be there with other cartoonists who I felt were real cartoonists. Yeah. But it's just I mean? like, you know, I mean, that's the nice thing about it is it's just, it's a community of outcasts. Sure. I mean, right? I think it took like... It's the island of misfit toys. Quickly, I think, once I started really socializing with uh, other cartoonists, I realized that... Everybody you know, feels <laughs> awkward. <laughs> and- if you make, if you make car- comics in, in any way, you're in, you're in yeah. the comics club, yeah. essentially. Um, I, re- I read the book on the train, actually. Uh, the, the PDF. Um, and... and, and the thing, I, I mean, I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, I, I've been reading a lot of uh, which did, what the, did, Andre the Giant. Oh, Andre the Giant. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, we, I guess it's not out for a couple months, though, right? It comes out in May. In May. Okay. May. Early May. Okay. Well, we'll I, I can, if you, if there's still blurb time, maybe we could do a blurb for, for Boing Boing or something. Uh, I don't know if the back. For the, for the printing? Yeah. Mm. No, too late. Too late, unfortunately. Right. Second printing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but the thing, the because thing, I've been reading a lot of, a lot of just biography in, in, in general and, bi- you know, some biographical comics and stuff. And the thing that's hard to do, and I think you did a pretty good job of this, is like, um, uh, it, it, I, I read so many, especially autobiography especially memoir mm-hmm. that ends up being just a series of anecdotes sure and it's hard to it's hard to actually create like a narrative of yeah. somebody's life i think yeah. you did a pretty good job of that, that. was definitely something i was considering i mean it started out kind of as a series of anecdotes yeah. maybe all biographies still do in that, yeah, yeah yeah sure i mean i think that that maybe that's how biographies start i mean like you know i mean you, you don't get interested in someone's life until you hear one story about yeah. them and then you try to find some more um i definitely was thinking in my head like can you create a whole picture of a human being from stories about them told from other people which is basically what this book is i mean he he died in 1993 he didn't really get a chance to tell his own story right yeah Yeah. i mean so you're trying to i am trying to get inside of his head but also not uh create too much because there's an element you have to kind of you have to kind of add your own spin to things, just to, by the nature of what comics are. Well, I mean, those are, and those are the. I mean, that's what ties it together as, as you know, a, a cohesive story. Are those are those moments? I mean, there's you, you adding some introspection, and I and and you know, and everything I've read or heard about them, I think are, that's pretty accurate. About like, I mean, of course he was an asshole. He was in pain his whole life. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, like, plus every you know every human being, no one's perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. He, he had this persona of being, and this is by nature of his character also, 
in wrestling, he had to be this the good guy a lot, and he was always the gentle giant. Of course, he's gentle. Like, of course, he's not gonna. I mean, he could have. I mean, he could have gone around being a bully all the time, but yeah. he, it was unnecessary for him. He was a sweet guy. He's French. I mean, how you know sure. how much of a villain yeah. can you be? But but like us all, like me and you, at, at mo- we have times when we're not the best, our best self. Sure. And I didn't want to hide that stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? I wanted to create a complete whole picture of what this guy was. Or what he was like. Yeah. Yeah, you did, um, I, I guess the Hogan the Hogan interview was a bit, pretty big. Uh, there was part of the, there was an interview with, uh, you know, there's so many. I had, like, yeah. so many sources, but, um, yeah, there was an interview with Hulk Hogan that was pretty good. But yeah. with him, it's like, with, with a lot of wrestlers, but I think especially Hogan, it's, it's hard to tell what's the, what's true and what's sure. not. I mean, that's I mean the even whole... in, in what's supposed to be a true real-life yeah. interview with him, it's hard to tell what's hap- what's truthful well yeah i mean and that's not even just i mean i would say it's just part of wrestling and obviously it is but that he just seems like a bullshitter i sure. mean you know he yeah, seems yeah. like somebody I mean, who's gonna he's definitely still in the business of making himself look he's you know, still technically in wrestling persona. isn't he yeah i mean Which like is, he'll be at wrestlemania this year probably yeah but also he has a lot his hand, arms and you know his hands and everything else that he's a public persona and you know you have to persi- you know justin bieber has a certain character that he has to portray I mean, he's not doing a very good job of it lately, it seems. But yeah, uh, I actually love Justin Bieber. I can't even. I love his headlines; they crack me up so hard every time. But you know, he has a persona that he's trying to portray in the same way that Hulk Hogan has a persona outside of wrestling and just as a as a celebrity almost yeah. has a persona that he has to play. And if he plays that persona well, it'll get him more money and jobs in the future, which is what wrestling is about. You know. Sure. I mean that that skill. Is he not doing? He's not doing. He's got to be doing. Out of all of them, financially, he's got to be doing the best. He's right? taking a lot out. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say what's the best. I mean, he's yeah. made, certainly generated the most money. I guess he had a divorce. He and, had his divorce. Yeah. You know, his son Sex was in a really and, bad car accident. Yeah. You know, lawsuits, all this stuff. You know, he's right now. He's promoting like a web hosting service called Hostomania, that he made a commercial that's like a parody of Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball. But he's like really wearing a thong and everything. <laughs> this is like last great. year. I mean, he did like you know, it's uh, the next step from pasta mania, right? That uh, yeah, yeah, right. The, uh, <laughs> of course, you know, and he has a sandwich shop, I think, in Florida. Yeah. I, I we, we, were, we were we were talking about this earlier, um, like a, a week or so ago. But I mentioned that I'd, I'd read the um, the Squared Circle book. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't end well for anybody. Yeah, there's very. I mean, I that's mean, kind of the theme of the book in a yeah. sense, but like. Yeah, who can you point to who, like... I mean, there's probably guys out there, like, you know... <sighs> I, I, none of... You could be, like, none some random... None of the random, superstars, except yeah, if maybe. you look at a guy, maybe there's a guy out there that was... Tito Santana or something, let's say, was this guy that was in the business for a long time. Maybe he took care of his money well, and now he has, like, a moderately-sized house that's paid off. They say like Bruno San Martino. I was listening to this the other day. Bruno yeah. San Martino was like a huge, yeah. you know, he was huge in the 60s and the 70s yeah. and, and into the 80s even. And they say he he just, and then he got out of the business for, for good. He, he swore off yeah. wrestling and anything else. He wasn't out there like, you know, being in movies and stuff either. But he lived in the same house since like 1975 or something that's paid off. And he had saved his money and he seems to be doing all right. But if like and if, he's not injured. If middle class moderate success is the best thing you can hope for, I mean, and, and again, that's a perfectly a way, fine life. But to be a world famous, the best at what you do at something, right? I mean, Art Spiegelman said that about comics too. Like, 
you know, it's a, it's a it's a job where your ultimate success is being able to break into middle class. Yeah. You know, and and although I've been to Art Spiegelman's place, sure, he's, yeah, he's doing all right. <laughs> but uh, but you look at a guy like you know these guys, they always you know the guys that don't come back are the guys that are probably the most successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. The guys that aren't making a come, like, Hacksaw Jim Duggan keeps coming back and. Million Dollar Man was back, and all these guys that come back, and there's guys that are working back scene, behind the scenes too. You're saying they're they're not coming back because for the love of it. No, they're coming. A lot of them, are, I think, are coming back for the payday, and they should. You know, yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts was on WWF Raw this week, and his uh, or WWE, and and uh, wait, Mick Foley seems to be doing pretty well, he does. right? Mick Foley, but, <laughs> but here's the other thing with Mick Foley. All right, great dude. He actually gave us a blurb for the book, which was awesome. Uh, and and he's you know he's a creative guy he came you know he does his wrestling shows he does his speaking tour he seems to be doing okay but from what I I've heard about that he's not doing uh, he has a lot of really bad injuries still from from wrestling well he's missing an ear yeah I mean <laughs> and, and he can hardly walk he's yeah. having trouble walking all these guys like it's, so it's it's funny like the guys who came up in the 70s, 60s, and 70s are actually in a lot better shape than the guys that came up in the 80s and the 90s, just because of the nature of the way, you know, you, you were made to protect yourself back then. Yeah. They weren't falling through tables and stuff all the time. Oh, that's true. He was doing, like, he was, like, blood yeah, sport yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. So some of these guys that are older than him are actually in better shape, can move around better. Yeah. Um, but, but it's like, so it's like, you know, if it's not financial, if it's not... And it's probably going to be a debilitating injury. Either, you know, you get hit once, one too many times to the head, or, like, you know, drugs. Sure. And so many of them kill themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it has, I think it has a lot to do with the nature of the business. You're on your own, man. It's also got to be multiple head traumas sure. will fuck anybody up. Absolutely. And, the, and I think it has a lot to do with being on the road all the time. Like, yeah. Um, Look at the nature of like rock stars that have died of drug overdose and killed themselves, and comedians that have killed themselves. And you're on the road all the time, and, and you you know you're you're staying up, you, you're dealing with pain, you're doing with ex- all this other stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and you know you're on the road, and whatever gets you through the night, there's a there's a level of you know that the boys are like a fraternity also. Yeah, it's like being a rock star, yeah. right? It's not, it's not too dissimilar yeah. from that. And all the young guys are always still partying. The older guys, what the hell? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's some, always going to be somebody around. There's peer pressure, I'm sure, sure involved in that yeah, too. totally. So, so why, 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 why Andre? I mean, of all the, of all the awesome stories to tell. I think that, um, you know, it started off, I read a story about Andre that I thought was really cool about how he got a ride to school from Samuel Beckett. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but then I kind of thought Andre as kind of just like he was a good, a uh, uh, really great guy to tell the story of professional wrestling through. Hmm. In a way, he does bridge that gap, right? Yeah, I mean, he was a unique, unique figure always because he was he, his career was different than everyone else's. He didn't, yeah. you know, these guys were were uh, trying. You know, they'd stay in one place, try to make a name for themselves. And then maybe move. Yeah. Andre was just constantly going from city to city because he was just a ma- such a huge attraction. Just Liter- to, literally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so he was just always on the road from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like just nonstop. And, and you know, he had a death sentence. You know, a death clock hanging above his head. They said he wouldn't live to be forty. Yeah. How old uh, was he when he died? Forty-six. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's sad too because now. 
he could if if it was now he could have had a surgery done at in his youth to to stop it. That, that's interesting, actually. That, you know, are there are there safe are there, are there safeguards now in place of wrestling? Yeah, like too? Paul White. Uh, oh, you mean in terms of in, in terms of you know as as we were saying earlier, like everybody has this sort of tr- tragic end. I mean, do mm-hmm. they go? I don't want to say oh, easier. I, I know but. that. Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, I think it's. I mean, listen, it's still a tough lifestyle, but yeah. I know like WWE will pay pay for anyone's rehab that's ever worked for them. Like, uh, you know, I know Kurt Angle was in rehab this year. He wasn't working for WWE, but they paid for his rehab because they always will. Yeah. You know, because I think after these guys started dying and stuff, Vince would be like, Vince, the guy who owns WWE, would be yeah. like, listen, he worked for me 15 years ago. Don't, how can you blame me for what's happening? But that's an argument to be made. But, like, there's definitely fault there. You know what I mean? Well, again, you know, if 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 you're if these guys are pounding their heads exactly, and you're under they're encouraged to do this stuff, and you're seeing it, you know, so I think in light of that, and in yeah. light of PR, probably they will take care of anyone's rehab. So, 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 Andre, I mean, I guess what I was saying about him him bridging that gap is he mm. seems to be one of the few characters who from from seventies wrestling into what we what was really iconic for us. It was probably the most iconic period for wrestling the 80s sure, right yeah. yep. I mean, he he's one of the few characters that really made that transition yep. i mean like that the history andre's history is part part of what made that event at wrestlemania 3 which was the apex of yeah. the like biggest that was him versus hogan, him hogan? versus hogan at yeah. wrestlemania 3 and that, that was the apex of that era i think yeah the 80s era 80s boom wrestling um and it was Andre had this huge history that you know he was all over the world. Everybody knew who he was. He wasn't in good shape at the time. If you look at that match, he did the best he could, and it was, I think, a real gem of a match. Um, but it was only twelve minutes long. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like a, a, a an athletic, really a big athletic competition. He um, was already he was already pretty really old. Bad shape. And, yeah, and he was in really bad shape. Yeah. I mean, like he never if he didn't really have this this. It was such great irony, you know. If he didn't have this disease, he wouldn't have been the star that he was. Yeah. But it's also what killed him. Like, he, but but also like, so he was already like what in his forties by the time that match happened, or? Uh, yeah. Oh well, he was probably about forty. It was that eighty-seven. And that's still 49. even if you don't have his condition, that's still pretty old. It seems to be wrestling, right? I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, because you can kind of get away with. I mean, Ric Flair's like sixty-three, and he still can. He's been in the ring win the last few years. Yeah. I mean, you still the way if you if you're wrestling this old style and it's it's half a show, so you can kind of work around almost yeah. anything. If you can kind of get up and move around, you can wrestle. Yeah, you know, if you can take a bump, you don't even have to take a bump. The other guy can take all the bumps. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, it's a show. So at 39 now, he could be. You know, if he wasn't like diseased, he could have been still doing. He, he never got got injured in the ring ever. Really? Because he was just. He was yeah. all his injuries were from his just his massive. You know, he hurt his broke his ankle getting out of bed, and they had to make that. Uh, you know, they had to make that seem like he hurt it in the ring. He was getting at, put his weight on this. Yeah, he rolled his ankle. That that <laughs> I need. I, I I haven't gone back. I, I need to go go and, and watch it. Um, and I should probably preempt a lot of this by saying that you know I, I wasn't I wasn't really a huge wrestling fan growing up. As I think sure. I explained very thoroughly yeah. in that that newsome interview. But obviously, it's something that I've been come a little fascinated with recently but uh and now i want to go and and watch the the match between him and hogan because you said that at one point he actually winks towards the camera which is that's fascinating yeah 
It was awesome. Like I didn't, and I didn't realize that. I didn't come up. That, you know, I didn't notice that when I first the yeah. first t- twenty times I watched it. And he's but. he's not he's definitely winking. Oh yeah, there's de- it's clear. You can yeah. see him wink right into the camera. Yeah. Um, and it was just so great. Like that match. Like you could tell. I, I read somewhere or heard somewhere once that w- when you think about what happiness is, <laughs> um, like are you happiest when you're when you're sitting. You know, when you're just on a resort, let's say, yep. uh, lounging about, is that the happiest you can be? And there's a study that was like, actually, you're actually happiest when you're thoroughly engaged. Like, yep. say, if you're if you're a quarterback for a football team, mm-hmm. like when you're playing, you're work living up to your fullest potential on the field. That's when you're actually the most the happiest. Yeah. And I think Andre that he knew that that was his last big, even though he was hurting and couldn't had trouble even walking. They they like built these carts to carry him to the ring because it was at a football on a football field and it was such a long walk to the ring they didn't think he could walk that far yeah. so that's how bad he was hurting and it's only a 12 minute match he did as best he could as long as he could but I think he was that that was like in one of his happiest moments of his life and that's nice because I don't know like you know I, I feel like that I, I might have had the exact opposite effect on me because right. I mean that's kind of a depressing it's a sad moment, moment too because it would yeah. be his last moment yeah. but but it was his last. I mean, it would be like imagine it would be my last chance to draw a comic ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you're correct. You know, you're going to make the best comic you can, certainly. Yeah, and you're you're going to bask in that in that yeah. moment as long as you can. Try well, to that, savor it. This actually it relates to again this interview that I had had last night with um, Rodney from the Dead Milkman. But their their bass player Dave and the reason or one of the main reasons why the band broke up in 1990 whatever is. Um, he developed carpal tunnel in both of his arms. Oh, so he wow. had to stop. He had to playing. stop playing bass. Oh my god, that'd be torturous. Uh, and he, he, he passed. He committed suicide. Oh wow, recently. And 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 you know, there, I haven't heard an exact ex- explanation of why. You know, they think he was suppressed. And I was just trying trying to think of what I would do with myself if yeah. the one thing I knew I was really good at, I <laughs> you'd have to do find. Anymore. You know, if I like my got my arms chopped off or something like yeah. that, and like I, I would have to find some other way to contribute or create. I mean, I can still write, I guess. Or if I had, the, if I couldn't make comics, I would. I don't know. It would be such t- horrible. It would be horrible. Like I, I, you know, I would fool around. Anytime I start messing around, me, uh, you know, my wife will be joking. And if anything happens, I'm always like, oh, my drawing hand, my drawing yeah. hand. You know what I mean? This is how I make my living. Like sure. Job and his magician. Insured stuff. by what's the place that all the wrestlers get insured oh, uh, by? Lloyd's of London. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I should do that, really. But you know, it's true. If I broke my arm, I had to be. I couldn't make, make comics for six months. I could see myself falling into a terrible depression. Yeah, I mean, I'd like. I'd like to think. I guess that that that, that at least in part is what brings a lot of these people back. Is the, um, I mean, I'm sure that most of it, but not all of it, is financial. Mm-hmm. That again, they just like oh, the yeah. show. Definitely, I mean, like they, they want to be right? part of it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's why these guys, all these guys that were on old school Raw. <laughs> Someone joked on Twitter. They're like, oh, "Well, their independent uh, dates, all their all their uh, their show money is going to go up. They're going to demand a little bit more now because they were on TV." Yeah. But all these guys are doing independent shots and autograph shows, and you know, you got to your career is relatively short. I mean, you got a long life. Hopefully, after you're done, you know, it's like the this idea of uh, elderly you know people get going into depression after they retire or something like mm-hmm. you got to find something to live for i mean and this is the best how do you come down you know how do you what can you do after you bobby heenan <laughs> he said it the best i think he's like 
seen every you know he he was a wrestling manager and he was everywhere i mean that was his he's like what do you do he's like i've been to a i've been to a gas station in japan at three o'clock in the morning what else what else is there to see in life yeah (laughs) yeah i I guess there's a little bit of irony in the fact that wrestling is one of the few sports you can do until you're 60 right yeah i mean surprising to me it's really it should be that you know ideally you could do it forever because you're not supposed to really be getting hurt yeah you know but But everybody does everybody does Everybody does, and and everybody that gets injured. If you ever watch the thing that injures them, yeah, it's never anything that looks cool. It's always like they fell on something wrong or accidentally or got or on Andrea Giant's case got, got out of better. Well, it's just the most embarrassing way to hurt yourself, yeah, even if you're just a getting giant, out right? of bed. Yeah. yeah, they said that Killer Khan broke his ankle though, so they worked it in. Yeah, even but get, get, getting back again to this this idea of of the wink. Uh, uh-huh. I mean that's. I, <laughs> It, this is a conversation that we're going to have to keep having. It seems like, you know, in a sense, wrestling is becoming more accepted as kind of an academic pursuit than it was before. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I th- and you're guilty of this a little bit too. Is that in the preamble to the book, you you need to address the real versus fake thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that going to continue? How long are? It, I, it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I did a. Few, I, I made a few nods to it in the book where, like, anytime someone mentions wrestling, the first thing out of someone's mouth is, oh, it's sure. You know? Yeah. Um, which it know. is and which everybody it acknowledges. forever. It's been forever yeah. at this point. Um, I think that, yeah, there's a certain type of person that's never going to get over that. You know, the, I think really people that are super into sports probably are I mean, offended you, by you it. You understand why <laughs> it's hard for people to accept, sure. right? I mean, I could see them being completely offended by the fact that, like... Or just baffled by yeah, why... I mean, there's real fighting... Yeah. I mean, spent, MMA is like a real... It's real wrestling, essentially. It's two guys fighting each other. Um, why do we need this This yeah. This yeah. other thing? Because it scratches some other itch that yeah. <laughs> that MMA can never do. It's, it's you know, it's like... You know, why do people watch... The, why do people go back and watch WrestleMania on on DVD and, and replays over and over and over? They have mm. a huge home video market. They, no one goes back and watches like the Super Bowl from two years ago. Yeah, do, do you go back and watch the old ones? Oh, sure. I mean, like WWE is starting a whole network de- dedicated to these people that want to go back and watch the old stuff. Yeah, I mean, if the NFL Network did that, would people really go back and watch a whole Super Bowl again or the playoffs from 1974? Maybe, maybe, but it doesn't seem you know there's not a big home video market there. I'm just I'm, I'm wondering where. Like again, I, I, I hate to use the word, but it's I think the only appropriate word to use the word academics. But you know, if if wrestling does become this like academic pursuit, this thing that's really sort of like, which see, it seems in a sense to be kind of going in that direction. I think bit. that it's a it's something that uh, I, I'm sorry. Let me finish your question. No, 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 no. no. I, well, I was thinking that you know, <laughs> from studying it over the last few years, like I feel like I've learned a lot about life in general yeah. i mean like there's this there's an element of show and 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 falsitude and pro wrestling to like almost everything you see on the media yeah like everything has this element of what appears to be real on the surface that they're playing towards that like i watched a documentary about documentaries like a, a meta documentary recently and and uh you know if you think of a documentary as like a real real yeah they're, they're explaining the truth but even, uh, you know, this Errol Morris documentary, they were talking about this one guy they were interviewing, and they, like, pulled all of his stuff out of his closet, all his trophies, all the stuff, and put it on the wall behind him 
to create this illusion. Yeah. So there's illusions everywhere. Well, yeah, and Aramorse has a whole thing about, like, about the frame that you pick. Yeah, you yeah. You know, about how, sure. how different... Absolutely. I yeah. mean, like, it's your version of the truth no matter what. And people want to be entertained. Yeah. You know, people, you got to... A, a straight... If, if documentaries... Documentary... This is somewhat off topic of wrestling, but documentary film is, was noted always as being really dry... You know what I mean? Yeah. To the average person sure. probably still thinks of it that way. So there has to be this element of showmanship so people will learn from it or, or even watch it. So there's this element, these elements of professional wrestling, like, in everything. But, like, but I, I think the thing that, and, and I think it's something that, that wasn't clear to me until, again, fairly recently, is what that's hiding is a really real, often very tragic story underneath that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, uh, underneath all this, like, pomp and circumstance are some of the most human stories in the world. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, that's why wrestling is kind of this extreme calcification of these human traits, Mm -hmm. right? So that's why when you see the, the, you know, when you see all this stuff on TV, as I did as a kid growing up, and people still do now, and you're perceiving, you have this perception of what it is. Maybe you know it's not actually real in the ring, but you still have these weird understand. You, you understand it in a certain way. Hmm. And when you reveal that, pull that curtain back and see what was really going on behind the scenes, and like, it's just a f- super fascinating. Yeah. To me, anyway. So I mean, I think that you know that's definitely what draws me to wrestling is this whole. There's one, one thing they're presenting and there's a whole nother thing happening behind the scenes which which leads me to i guess where i was getting with that question that i was just so rudely interrupted (laughs) while asking is does what effect does inevitably the academic study have on wrestling and is is it a positive one um uh i don't know it's like that the idea that like um uh you can't by watching simply it, observing it? Yeah. things, you're changing things, and yeah, it's like I mean, uh, Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, you, there's. I don't know. There, I think there will always kind of be a, a a contingent of people that can be lab rats for wrestling, and kind of will always see it in a certain way. You know, the real, real marks or fans that are not yeah. super involved in the people who buy the t-shirts. Up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be that those like marks so to speak. I mean, those people are always going to be there. That's their real, that's their actual audience. You know what I mean? All these guys that are looking up stuff on the internet and trying to figure out the behind the scenes stuff, that's, they don't even care about those people because they're, they're not the real audience for the yeah. program. Yeah. You know. How much do they care about what happens to the, because like, you know, I've always been somebody who I read a lot of like rock biographies. Like sure. Are, are they not, do, do they not care not do they not care, but uh, well, yeah. I mean, are they not interested in them on a personal level? Are they afraid that that's going to ruin the illusion? Um, you mean the company? No, the uh, the, the 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 super. Oh, fans. oh are they? Uh, I don't. Do they want to know I mean, who is a drug addict? And they do they want to know? You know, I don't know what. I mean, I, what drives like the super fan? I mean, I think that you want the whole picture. I guess you know, you want both sides of that story. Yeah. Um, because you know that there's another side there, so you want that. You want. I mean, that, that's like again, like that's like these, 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 uh, like you know, like one, and one of the things that I, I did after talking to, to Robert was I was like, oh man, I wonder what's on Netflix. Like you know, I wonder oh, yeah, what yeah. what documentaries out there. And 
There's some good ones, but it's like most of most, except for like the independent ones and the Glow documentary. Uh-huh. Most wrestling documentaries are done through WWE. Oh yeah, yeah. Which you, you've got like I felt a little weird. I mean, oh, the yeah. Mick one was own, really good. The WWE has their own version of history that yeah, they're portraying. They're like Disney, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a company out there that actually. WWE is kind of ripping off. I mean, like, there was a company... It was actually in the fall of ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. The guys who used to film that, you know, they needed something else to do. So they started filming old wrestlers telling their stories in these things called shoot interviews. It's totally low-fi, like, low-production values. They're sitting in a a hotel room with, like, a a vinyl sign behind them or something, you know. But I feel like there you're getting a much more realistic look, even though the, the wrestlers themselves might have some sort of agenda they're trying to put out in this, these interviews. But really, they want the real story that WWE is not going to tell you. Yeah. So those guys were doing this for like 10 years before WWE started saying, oh, there's actually a market out there for people that want to hear these dumb stories. <laughs> yeah. So they started putting out their own stuff, but it's just their version of the truth. You know? How... how- I mean, how, how is how is wrestling being affected by the fact that it's really, again, di- that there's a Disney? There's one. There's. I mean, I know there are other. Oh, it's really there, weird. I mean, like, but it's essentially a monopoly, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very much like Disney's a pretty good comparison yeah. to what it is. I mean, but even though Disney has some com- competitors at this point, you know, like say like DreamWorks or something like that. Yeah. They, I mean, on certain aspects of, of their. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, it's really, in my opinion, it's terrible. I mean, like, let's face facts here. Like, competition makes everything better. So you get somebody like, uh, you know, when WCW and WWE were really, like, competing as as equal entities, it was the best. Now there's only one. I mean, the show is much worse than it ever ever was. Really? I mean, I it's three hours. First of all, it's three hours long, and they have, like, an hour of content yeah. that they stretch. An hour it, of actual wrestling, you mean? Yeah. Oh, of just, like... There's just so much dumb stuff on it. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I, I usually watch it uh, the day after. And what I can watch Robert called uh, Vince Jr.'s cartoon show? <laughs> That's basically what it I is. I think he called it that about I mean, have a few guys. Later. There's a few guys that you see come up through the indies, and you're like, oh, now they're there. Yeah. You know, if you saw a guy come up through indie comics and then get a yeah. job at Marvel. Like, you know. CK Punk was a kind of a breath of fresh yeah, air. CM Punk, yeah, CM Punk. Yeah, sure. CM Punk. But CM Punk like, did, it, did an interview like in 2002 basically as like the king of the indies. Yeah, and like he was th- thinking about it. not that his career was over, but he was looking back on his, a completed career. Yeah, and then he got to WWE and he was able to build there. Yeah, but he's a guy that like the internet really supports. Like he was he was uh, like a comedian playing to the back of the room. Yeah, that's like CM Punk. Yeah, he's you like know what I mean, well CK. He's like Louis CK, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. But then you have other guys come up and you know that you want to see do really well, so you'll you'll follow their stories yeah. and you just. It's very, it's almost always disappointing to see what the WWE does with them. They'll take a guy who's an established character in the indies for like ten years, give him a new name and a new look, yeah, and then give him some stupid thing to do on TV, and you're like, this guy was so good. So where are you at with wrestling right now? Um, I basically follow the news, like the the, the, <laughs> the news. Sorry for laughing at that. But. I know it's so funny, like, but. I really like I watch the shows but I'm really what I'm interested in is Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer podcast which is inside insider news it's an hour podcast a few days a week so I like to keep up with the the show just so I can know what he's talking about yeah because I think he always has like a much more ins- it would be like following sports by only reading the paper which a lot of people do sure yeah. I mean I think that's where my 
interest is there? That is point? a fascinating thing, though. I mean, and, and I hadn't really thought about that, but I mean, they, theoretically, like the joy of sports should be in watching sports. Yeah, yeah. So what? What is the appeal of just keeping, especially, I don't know. especially again, especially when it's not real? There's certain, I know. There's certain aspects of every show that I, I'm like, wow, this is really good. You know what I mean? Like two guys have a really good match in the ring. There's nothing really a, that the cartooniness of the, of the spectacle can't really take away from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're still getting that. Once in a while, you get to see some, you know, that's like I said, it's a three-hour show condensed into 30 minutes. You know, if you take all your accomplishments you've done over your lifetime and condense them <laughs> into, like, a resume, it looks pretty good. Do they, do they do that? I mean, that's, they, don't, they don't do, like, a highlight reel of their own? No, no. I mean, like, you got to kind of... Well, actually, the, the, the thing they show on Hulu is an hour and a half. Okay. So... That's still, a, you know... It's so much. That's once a week? Yeah, that's no, and that's not even that's just their primary it's show. Three hours once a week. Yeah, and that's then they have insane. their other their secondary show that's two two more hours. And then they have a tertiary show that's an hour. It's crazy to me that now it's so. I, would you say that now they're producing more content than ever before? Oh yeah, I mean they <laughs> is wrestling, is wrestling more popular than it was in you know? N- no, no, no. I mean in terms of like say. Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, in I terms mean, of in the eighties, it was like it was well, a zeit- it was the pop culture zeitgeist. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, like in the nineties when it got popular again, it was arguably more popular. I mean, like the the formula of take your biggest star and make him into a movie star. What, what they tried to do that with Hulk Hogan didn't yeah. really work, but it worked with well, The Rock. Some great films, though. Yeah, <laughs> I have a funny story about that, by the way. Three Ninjas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched uh, I watched No Holds, no Holds Barred, Barred. Yeah, uh, recently, but you know. Um, Tiny Lister. <laughs> oh my god, that's actually one of the only other wrestlers that's in the film. Oh no, Tiny Lister. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's the, another uh, guy. Yeah, Zeus. He ended up becoming. Oh yeah, Zeus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They brought him in for a little bit after that movie came yeah. out. He, he, I think he headlined SummerSlam one year. Hulk Hogan against the real. That was another thing like WCW back in the day. This is totally that's good. Whatever WCW back in the day, they did a promotion with RoboCop, and they had like RoboCop like. Oh my god! Like one dude was in a in a cage, and they had RoboCop, like as if he was really RoboCop, come yeah. out and rip the cage open and get the guy out. It was so silly. That you know that that's actually that's crazy. That um, and I feel like I must have known this at at some point, but you know I, I it was it, you mentioned in your book, and I think it's fascinating that the um, uh, Andre the Giant Webner thing became oh yeah a scene in Rocky. Rocky, yeah, yeah. I mean. Um, I, I th- you know I think which, lo- which actually g- give that a little context. Oh, so okay, so Chuck Wepner, the Bayonne bleeder, the Bayonne bleeder, who they who, who is they actually based Rocky on, yeah. right? So this was I guess this is one, one after piece. Rocky one had come out. So Chuck Wepner had kind of like a little bit of a celebrity thing going. So they brought him in. Yeah, they had a boxer versus wrestler match. I believe he tried to sue Stallone at some point too. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise me. Um, so they brought him in. And uh, you know, there's this. There was this old clip from the '70s from an old HBO sports thing where they had that uh, Chuck Wepner and his managers talking about what what was going on because they had a boxer versus wrestling match. What's real? That you know? Yeah. Um, it was essentially a wrestling match, um, but they didn't. I don't think they told Chuck any anything beforehand. You this know, is they, Andre the Giant. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They really wanted Chuck to have plausible. Plausible deniability, deniability afterwards and be like, as far as I can tell, it was real. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but uh, so Andre had to do this thing where he had to make it. Well, he had to make it look real without really hurting him. Yeah, you know, too much. And then he throws him out of the ring, just like 
almost exactly as it happens in a more, much more fantastical way yeah. in Rocky Three, with Hulk Hogan playing the role of Andre and Sylvester Stallone playing the role of uh, Wefner. In- interesting, interesting, like that, and like the wrestler are examples of like it becoming legitimate as fictional entertainment mm-hmm. when you when you sort of remove it at another level, right? Sure. I mean, The Wrestler, I thought, a lot of actual pro wrestlers hate that movie because it shows uh, a negative light. I, I love guess. that movie. And I love it too. Yeah. But then, my only qualm with it was I wish he just shows a, a real wrestler and did a real bio, you know, yeah. bi- biography. But, but, he, but he's so good in it. Yeah, I mean, he did such a good... I mean, it, I understand the other aspect of it, too, because then his hands aren't tied as far as plot goes, and he can go yeah. wherever you want. And I thought it was a pretty good general portrayal. I mean, you know, he works at a supermarket. I know for a fact that I looked this up, uh, that Haku, or also Meng, who was in WWF and WCW for, like, 20 years, now works at a, a Toyota... Yeah, he's a car sells cars in Florida, and you can look up his picture on the t- Toyota website. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was at, at Hulk's dealership, or yeah, no, it's, no, no, it's just some dealership you know, sells Priuses, yeah, or something <laughs> like that. And, and he was like the toughest. Every everyone says that that guy was like the legitimate toughest guy. Yeah, like no one would ever mess with him, and he's a sells cars. I mean, isn't it? hybrids. Who knows if he's? I mean, he could be. More power to him. He's probably doing a, a hopefully okay. He can walk and and maintain a job. It seems sad, you know. Yeah. But this is life, you know. But this this, this had been one of my my main criticisms about mainstream superhero comics um, in the past like fifteen years or so is like, you know, they they don't exist for kids anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's, it sounds like wrestling took a similar route, and they 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 did, and they kind of checked themselves. It was like around I think it was like two thousand five. At some point, they were like. You know what? We're going to be a PG product now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of like borderline. I mean, they showed nudity on pay-per-view before. Really? You know what I mean? So then they just decided, you know, our, they. I think they just decided that their their product works when it's for kids. Yeah. And so they made everything PG again. I mean, I mean, they could have stood there and, and just constantly saw their... Saw their uh, fans get older and older, which is happening with every other you know pop like video games are a good example of that. Sure, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they just went back, and I mean, in in some ways, I mean, I can't say that I really like the product better now than ever before, but I like it better now than 2005. Yeah, I mean, when I checked in in 2005, I was like, what is this? You know what I mean? If you look back on stuff like that, I remember they did a storyline where like one dude was gonna like adopt the or steal the other kid guy's son i mean like it's so much backstage stuff it's just like you just want two people fighting each other in the guise of competition you know what i mean like they should just want to get the belt yeah you know that i mean and there's they're they're still in many ways not even doing that i mean i think that's like what the appeal is is to make it kind of almost like sports i mean now it's just like a spectacle like if you lose a match doesn't really mean anything it's like but but if you know if and I wonder this about like so many things that I I, I grew up with, um, being the cynical monster that I am now. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, again, if in the eighties it was pure cartoon, which it was in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, w- was it actually really really good then, or do you just have really fond memories of it? Um, I don't know. I mean, like you think back on. Uh, you I'm know, sure there were people at the time who were just like, "What is this cartoon?" Bullshit? Sure, sure. Um, 
you, you look back on what they were doing in the 80s, sure. I mean, like, we were kids, and, it, you know, w- the stuff that you like when you're a kid kind of, uh, like, reverberates throughout your lives. Yeah, you have fond memories looking back yeah. on that stuff. But at the time in the 80s, it was it, it was revolutionary for wrestling. Um, before Vince took on this whole WrestleMania thing and making it into a mainstream thing, it was really, like, back alleyways stuff yeah. and, like, really much more indie i mean and backwoodsy and like circusy and you had to kind of like be in the know to know about it i mean there's people that could say that that's better in many ways it probably was yeah. but there was something spectacular going on in the 80s when when we when i grew up and was getting into it yeah so there's that to be said about about the 80s looking back now could i sit through the entire undercard of SummerSlam 88 only for nostalgia, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, I w- it's so it's it's interesting to, that that they were able to check themselves like that. I mean, especially after again, like having another wave of success. I'm surprised decided- that there isn't. I mean, there might be. Is there like um, Marvel comics for kids? I mean, I think there's a couple of like attempts at it. Yeah. yeah, but I, I don't think there's- they don't make the main thing PG. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's twenty Spider-Man comics, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if any of them. I can't, are kids I can't at this point. follow mainstream comics really at all. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, I'm wondering if I feel like it's got to go back in that direction, right? I mean, you get. You, it you, seems like there. You'd like to think that there should be a breaking point. Um, I mean, to me, like the like, and I liked some of the some of the Batman movies, or the Christopher Nolan ones. Sure. I liked the first one, but it's. That that seems to be a breaking point to me. Okay. Yeah, the problem with the movies and all that. Yeah, uh, of, of being so dark mm. that like I like I wouldn't bring my kid to sure. watch this. And yeah, it's a yeah. Batman movie. I want to you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the Batman movies especially. I mean, some of those, some of the Marvel movies though are just definitely they're doing a good, good job for kids. At it. They're yeah. doing a good job at it. But yeah. but again, like you know, when I just I, think it's it seems like one of the things that WWE does well is that they know that. They're, they're, they're guys they have on TV now. Their they're, they're time to be a star is limited. Mm. So, like, Iron Man can never really die. He's a fictional character. Yeah. But Hulk Hogan's going to die one day. Yeah. And he's going to be hurt. So they have to have, like, an upcoming character yeah. always coming up. Like, oh. So they're building, um, they, you know, they have this, they, you know, the indies aren't really serving them well enough, they think. So they built a whole training center. But they're very aware of that there has to be new stuff and they, they can use you can use the old guys to help build the new yeah. guys there always has to be a new generation marvel dc the, those guys they're just like banking forever on their their guy their old guys yeah. and i don't think they're really creating new stars <laughs> yeah I, I guess it's a difference that's a, a difference between wwe and and disney um is and it's sort of interesting. I've never thought about this before, but it seems like at some point, had they made the decision, they probably could have done, probably could have franchised characters. They probably just could have had actors. I mean, if people yeah, are playing roles anyway. There's things like that. But the thing is that back in the day, for one thing, that would totally break Cape. That would screw up Kayfabe. Like, you would, that would be too, it would, Kayfabe, or it would be too obvious. Back in the day, they really were trying to fool the audience the yeah. way a magi- magician or something would do it. So having another actor play the same character, the audience would see right through that. On the other hand, <laughs> when someone wore a mask, that was a lot of the times what was going yeah. on. They would have just a new guy come in. There's a guy right now in WWE that they fought. It's a guy, this 
Mexican wrestler Sin Cara that they had wearing a the mask. The luchador mask. Yeah. yeah, they have a mask on him, and he's. <laughs> they fired the guy who plays the character because they. I guess they weren't getting along with him, but the character appears in this weird WWE Scooby-Doo movie that's coming out. So they hired a new guy to play <laughs> the Sin Cara character on TV, but he's under a mask, so you can't really tell. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's why they didn't go for that, you know. There's not a, a new Hulk Hogan every few years or Which anything like that. Which is great because at least, I mean, in the case of, like, Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea owns Hulk Hogan, right? I think so, yeah. I mean, Marvel owns the name Hulk, I think. Or they yeah. definitely had a but, suit but, but, I mean, I mean, I mean. Th- he owns his character. Exactly. That they, that some of them do and some of them don't. That's, yeah. Some of, the, some of them do and some of them don't. Because that's, like, talk about, you know, like, shitty post-career. It's yeah. not only... Being injured, not having not any money, but not being able to bank yeah, on the success. Yeah, you can't of, play your character. Yeah, I mean, there were guys that would skirt, you know get around that. You know, have their name was like whatever, uh, you know, Mister Super in WWF, and then they would go Mr. in the Indies. And I'm just saying, for example, <laughs> then in the Indies they'd be like Studior Super or something like yeah. that. They, you know, they'd work around it yeah. in that way. But yeah, that would happen to dudes. Sure, I mean, your character, you're dead. What are you doing? Have they? Have they? Like, does does the WWE have a tighter grip on that now? I mean, are they trying to? own Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why all the indie guys get their names changed as soon as they walk in the door. Yeah. Um. So they, you know, WWE can own their character, lock, stock, and barrel. It's really a weird, uh, like, libertarian system. Yeah. That's also weird because they teach wrestlers that every they have to do whatever. You know, the, the show as a whole is more important than any individual character. Yeah. So you're getting a libertarian pay system, a really Free hard-nosed yeah. libertarian pay system, independent contractor situation, and a communist belief system in the product going on. It's like, how do you not go insane in that environment? It's, it's as hard-nosed as it gets. But, I mean, you have to... If people aren't willing to go along with the illusion, then oh, it you, breaks yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, you have to. I mean, it, it has to work that you way. Have to, you have to be willing to lose. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the sad thing, the saddest thing I think that's missing from the product now um, is guys used to be like, they'd go out and, and do an interview in the ring, and they'd tell him, all right, you have to mention that the show's on Saturday and that you want to fight this, this guy, but that's it. And so the wrestler would go out there and basically make stuff up off the top of his head and that's when you get all these like really interesting promos they're called and now everything is you know, that, that everything's scripted and before that yeah. there was like at least this element in that promo in that moment anything he could say anything yeah. you know and now it's just all you're watching a scripted television program is is um I mean I know there's I know there's like like TNA is a thing I mean are, are the, is, uh, is it gonna, that's just as yeah, equally just bad. as bad. Yeah, and worse, really. I mean, actually, it's you know they have competitive in-ring matches because sometimes the talent there's guys in uh, ring-wise talent that are really, really good. But you know, I <laughs> I'm wondering again if we're going in, if we're going in this direction eventually of like real again academic pursuit of wrestling like artisanal. Uh, there's there's certain Brooklyn yeah, wrestling, right? I'm sure. Maybe there is. I mean, there's certain indie promotions that definitely cater to that yeah. that type of thing. Um, I would love to see something like that really get big exposure and be a, like yeah. a much a more competitive thing. But it's it, 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 it's funny. I always think comics and wrestling are kind of similar because you know when you they're low art forms. You know, so mm-hmm. when you say you try to hide. You know. We say you're in comics. There's really no prestige that comes with yeah. it, and same thing with wrestling. So yeah. you really have to sell people 
from the moment you sit down with them if they don't yeah. know what's going on. So who knows what will happen with wrestling. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I can't picture a super rich person jumping in the game at this point to put together an artisanal yeah. style of wrestling thing. But I don't know. Billy Corrigan's a huge wrestling fan, so I don't yeah. know if he's, got, if he's still got Smashing Pumpkins money. But maybe by the time your next book comes out, you don't have to do that same forward. Yeah, maybe. I would love that. I would love it. Yeah. Do, do you do another wrestling book after this? I, mean, I don't know. I'm actually thinking about it this morning. The next book I have coming out is kind of um, through Retrofit Comics. It's called Number One. But and that's uh, going to be a floppy. Yeah. but And that has that's really about a guy's uh, a very thinly veiled autobiography. But it's about a guy's... <laughs> so that, uh, full circle for yeah, you. A guy's... Uh, um, a guy's reaction to um, this idea of kayfabe, which is that yeah. there's this this thin veil of bullshit over almost everything that you see, and people are have a motive and they're playing a role. Um, and I could see developing that further. It's still, it's always going to be interesting to yeah. me. Um, if you you know, I, I if you kept putting out uh, wrestling biographies, <laughs> I would keep reading them. <laughs> yeah, I could maybe do it. Maybe I will one yeah. day. Now, who can compete with Andre though? Yeah, it's fair enough. <laughs> There you go. That was uh, that was Box Brown, probably best known throughout the world as being the the artist behind the RAYL logo. But uh, turns out he's a, a cartoonist as well. He has a new book coming out for a second later this month. It's called Andre the Giant: Life and Legend. And as you've probably discerned from the title, it's about Andre the Giant, his his life and his legend. Uh, Box also has a, a really cool comics publishing company called uh, Retrofit. They're devoted to uh, putting out floppies, which. You know, are, are things you don't see very often in this in this digital age that we live in. Uh, so I, I've been kind of following his work from from the very very early days. I know we talked about this a little bit in the podcast, but uh, you know, of, of all the cartoonists that I follow throughout the years, I don't think I've seen anybody develop quite as much as as, as he has. Um, I'm hoping that at some point he gets famous enough to release a book of all those really uh, really early early strips that he did. Uh, I'll show you just uh, just how far he's come. So thanks uh, thanks so much to Bob. For, for doing that and uh, thanks again I haven't thanked him in a while but thank you for doing the really fantastic RYL logo uh, thanks to Brian as always for editing the podcast thanks to Mark and everybody else at the Boing Boing Podcast Network for hosting us up there lots of fantastic podcasts for you to check out over uh, over at iTunes you can find them over at uh, boingboing.net as well but if you do go to iTunes and may, maybe take the chance to uh, to rate the show as well uh, we've got uh, an email address it's rylcast at gmail.com if you want to send me feedback uh, Tumblr account, so you follow along on that. You're going to get all the shows a little bit earlier than they go up on uh, on Boing Boing or on iTunes. It's rylcast.tumblr.com. Uh, got lots of good episodes coming up for you lately, and actually, I sent out uh, a, a call for action over my own uh, my own Twitter account. But uh, very curious as to people's favorite episodes thus far, because we are approaching 50 episodes. So I want to kind of compile a, a starter list for you know to kind of make your way into the, the, the massive well the you know the literally tens of episodes that we've uh, that we've recorded thus far so uh, you know if you've got any any feedback on that front shoot me a line rolcast at gmail.com but uh, I will uh, catch you at just about this time next week either way 